Good morning, everyone. Special welcome to our visitors. It's good to have you guys with us. It's a privilege and a blessing to get to worship the Lord together. It feels like it's been a little bit since we've been here. Uh, Laura and I missed last Sunday. I know some of the rest of you missed as well. Um, And it's just really good to be here together. Today is December 31st, the last day of the year, last day of 2023. It's hard to believe. Now, tomorrow is New Year's Day. And when we think of New Year's Day, one of the things I often think of is New Year's resolutions. Now, some of you may um, have some for this year. Some of you may not, but I think most of, most of us have made one at some point in our lives. New Year's is a new chapter. It's a fresh start, which is exciting. Our God is a God of fresh starts and new chapters. He is a God of today, a God of the living and not of the dead. He tells us that the plans he has for us are good and that he wants to bless us. We know this because he came and died for us, even though we can never repay him. His mercies are new every morning. So how can we do well with this new year? If success equals faithfulness, which is something we talked about as a church um, in our our discussion time a few weeks ago, um, what does faithfulness mean for me? What is God calling me to this year? I think first and foremost, the the primary call of God on our lives is surrender. He wants our obedience. Now is the day of salvation. And what better day than the start of a new year? Our life is found in Christ. Our life is found in our death, dying with him. We can muster courage and stamina for a moment, but we will eventually fail if our efforts are not rooted in a trusting embrace of God's call. We are called to fight, to strive, to press on, and choose righteousness. This morning, I'd like to open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, read there a little bit about this fight, about this race. First Corinthians chapter 9, uh, starting at verse 24. You have to excuse me, I'm... I am fighting a cold, so I'm going to be blowing my nose periodically here. First Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know? I'm going to be reading this out of the amplified um, version. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run their very best to win? but only one receives the prize? Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that withers, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beating the air, just shadow boxing. But, like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached the gospel to others, 
I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. This is Paul talking about, the Apostle Paul talking about um, his fighting, his striving, his pressing on, the race that he is running. Um, I'd next like to turn to Philippians chapter 3. And Philippians 3 is going to be my text for this morning, the main passage. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about being at a present place and looking toward the future and his approach to that, his approach to, um, I guess, his mindset as he thinks about the future. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to summarize it basically in three blocks, and then I'm going to um, go and we're going to take some practical application for ourselves in looking at how can we... Um, looking at the life of Paul, um, make some application for our mindset and, and the new year going forward. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised of the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ." who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body 
by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So I'm breaking this up into sections. Uh, in verses 1 through 11, Paul exhorts the church of Philippi to rejoice in the Lord and watch out for those who seek to earn their salvation through their own personal goodness. Um, he explains that before he was saved, he was a good person too. But that all of that good that he had in the past was something that he had to lay aside to be able to know Christ. Knowing Christ required that he recognize his sin and helplessness and his need for true righteousness that he had no way of getting. So because of that, he had to lay all that old goodness aside, the things that he thought was good. True righteousness is only obtained by grace through faith. In gaining Christ, Paul desired to know Christ, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, to share in Jesus' suffering, and to become like Jesus in his death so that he, could, that he too could be raised from the dead. Paul's, the second, in the second section, Paul says that he does not consider himself to already have, have obtained this, this perfection and being raised from the dead. He realizes that the race is not over and that this is not a time for coasting. He has not yet completed the race. He must keep the faith. Considering this, he presses into faith, knowing Christ and experiencing victory through Christ over sin and death. He can do this because Christ has made him his son and given him his spirit. He presses toward the goal. His focus is the prize of eternal life. In the third section, Paul calls all believers to this mindset and life. He warns them that many people walk as enemies of the cross and have no desire to know Christ in his death. They want Christ's life but are not willing to die to self. Instead, they serve the gods of their desires and have their hearts fixed on earthly things. He reminds them that as followers of Christ, our home is in heaven and we are awaiting a savior for our savior to return. When our savior returns, he will use the same power that enables him to subject all things to himself, to transform our lowly bodies into glorious bodies just like his own. That last sentence is really exciting for me. The same power that God has that um, enables him to subject all things to himself, his sovereign power. We know that he's in control of everything. That same power that holds the earth in place, that uh, makes the seasons come and go, that brings the snow and the rain, the wind, that same power he's going to use to transform our bodies into glorious bodies just like his. That's really, really exciting. Now, how can we apply the example of Paul to our lives as we think about the new year? I'd like to focus specifically on verses 12 to 14. Verses 12 to 14 say, Not that have I already that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So thinking about this year and, and a new chapter, um, I'd like to take 
there's two main points um, I have from Paul, and under those I have um, three subpoints for each. The first point I have um, that I think we can learn from Paul is to be humble. As we look at at these verses, um, we see Paul. First off, um, the, the first point in being humble is don't believe the lie that you've earned a break and can coast. Satan loves to tempt us to think we deserve a break or some pleasure. Now, God does give us breaks. He does give us rest. He says he gives his beloved rest. And that's not what I'm talking about. What Paul is talking about here is pressing after Christ. We cannot afford to let go and take a break and put our our spiritual lives into cruise control. Satan loves us to... to to tempt us to think that we deserve a break, that we deserve some type of a diversion from that. Um, He did it to Jesus in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, we see the temptation um, of Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. After that, Satan comes, and Luke 4 verse 1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. For 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Satan brought a pleasure to Jesus that Jesus could have taken as his own um, that was not Jesus' pleasure to take in that moment. It was not the rest that he needed. In that moment. Um, instead, Jesus was, was focused on doing God's will. And he, he said no to that. He had triumph over that temptation. But Satan tried to, give, to get him to, to give in to his flesh. To give in to his weakness. To take a break. Um, and he loves to do the same with us. He especially likes to do it, I think, after we've maybe um, been working really hard. Or maybe after like a, a really long um, spiritual um, endeavor, the he he get, he likes to think that we deserve something that that maybe even be sin. Um, an example I think of it's a tragic example uh, is the example of Rabbi Zacharias. Um, my understanding is that his, his logic, his justification for his actions was that what he used to manipulate those young ladies was um, that he needed, he, he needed that, that pleasure, that diversion, because he was so busy in ministry, that he, had, he, was, so, he was so worn down that he deserved this, even though it was wrong. Um, that's just one example, but Satan loves to do that for, for us. Maybe it's, um, we know we should be spending time with God, but we really just deserve something else, you know? We really should deserve, we really deserve this, other, this other little pleasure. <laughs> um, maybe we've committed ourselves to fasting, and, oh, but there's just this one reason why we really shouldn't do that, you know? Um, this is for me personally. This strikes, strikes home deep um, for myself. 
So the first, my first point is don't believe the lie that you've earned a break and can coast. Paul says he doesn't consider the fact that he's already perfect. Paul was a spiritual giant. He's far beyond what I am or any of us here. He didn't consider that, he, that he's made it. He, pre- he said, I press toward the mark. I keep going. I don't give myself a break. Number, that's, that's, I think, shows Paul's humility, um, his dependence on God. My second point under to be humble is make decisions with whose we are up front and center. Verse 12 says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's reason for doing what he did was because of what Christ had done for him and whose he was. It's easy to to forget that. It's easy to... um, in moments of everyday life to to forget whose we are and whose we're we're called to serve. Um, It's easy to think that the good things in life maybe don't um, don't come from surrender Um, but James James chapter 1 tells us uh, in verse 16 and 17 he says do not be deceived my beloved brothers every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change All good things come from God alone. He's the source of all goodness. And when we submit and we live lives of obedience and surrender, um, it takes a trust in his goodness, a trust in his, um, in his promises. Romans 8 Verse 32, uh, 1 and 32 says, Then what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God gave us Jesus, won't he give us all that is good? Um, and in that, we can have confidence to lay ourselves down and to surrender ourselves and follow in Christ's path. The third point in humility I have is to forget the past. So, verse 4, I'm sorry, Verse 13, um, Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. It can be easy to think that we've accomplished things and, 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 and rest in that. Um, it can also, when I think of, of forgetting the past, I think of, of um, moving on from, from sin and moving further into relationship with Christ. 
repenting and forsaking our past sin. John 1 verse, 1 John 1 verse 9, verses, verse 9 specifically, but I'll read verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So all of us have sinned. All of us have things that we struggle with. Now, God doesn't want us to stay in our sin. He wants us to have victory over it. But the reality is that all of us have need for, um, for continual confession of our sin. We're continually bringing our um, improper motives, our, our sinful desires and actions to Christ um, to be cleansed. Revelation, um, in Revelation, Jesus uh, talks to the church at Laodicea, and he says, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. And the angel of the church, to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would you were, would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Therefore, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So as we think about this coming year and thinking about, think about what God is calling us to, is there something in our lives that we know God is calling us to but don't really want to go there? Is there something that we are lukewarm in? Do we have something in our life that we... No is not right and that we need to make right. There's no better time than today. <laughs> With that, um, is making restitution for past wrongs. In Numbers, the Lord, this is Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restoration for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him who, to him who he did the wrong. So when we, um, all the way back in the law, this is not necessarily something, I, I don't know that we hear 
taught or, or that we practice necessarily, but it's a principle that God put um, in the law that if you or I um, wrong each other, that we, when we make it right, when God convicts us in our heart and we say, you know what, Clifton, I am sorry, I, I took advantage of you there or whatever it is, I am sorry, that I pay you back an extra 20%. Um, I think it, it shows my repentance and it also shows how much I value you if I do that. Um, and there were, there were different rules for if, if you got caught and didn't confess it. If you got caught and didn't confess it, you had to pay back twice as much is my understanding. I believe that's it. that part is in Leviticus. But um, when, we, when God convicts us and we, and we go to make it right, it's, um, it's good and proper to go above and beyond um, to, show, to show our, I guess, our, our repentance and our sincere heart. Zacchaeus understood this. Um, in Luke 19, verses 8 and 9, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. So Zacchaeus, when he repented, when, he, when, he, uh, when his heart became right with God, he went way above and way beyond the 20%. He went and he gave four times the amount. So um, just, I think, uh, an example of, of true repentance and what that means, making restitution for past wrongs. Um, the third point I have under confessing our sin, I'm sorry, and of the third point under forgetting the past um, I have is set up boundaries and distance yourself from areas of temptation. So if there's something that you've been struggling with this past year, um, set up some boundaries and distance yourself from, from that area of temptation. Matthew chapter 18 verses 7 through 9 says, Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Now, some people have taken these verses literally, um, but I don't, I don't believe that's necessarily what Jesus meant. I believe what he meant was that we need to take whatever actions are required for us to gain victory over um, whatever we're struggling with. So sin, sins, especially sins that, that continually hang on to us, um, we usually they usually have a hold in our lives by something that we just don't want to let go. We feel like we deserve it, or we feel um, like there's some other reason why we can't do what it takes to actually gain complete victory. And Jesus is saying, you need to do whatever it takes. If, if it's your phone, you need to figure, figure out another way to do it. If it's your computer, you need to figure something else out. If it's 
you know, going shopping on Friday evenings. You need to figure out something else to do. Um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 17 says, The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. So the upright, I believe, is, is the Christian. Um, and the way of the Christian, the way he walks, needs to turn aside from evil. It needs to go away from it. It needs to go around it, go a different way. Proverbs in chapter 5 talks specifically about adultery and the adulterous woman and how men need to, um, especially young men, um, I think it says young man, but all of us as men need to handle ourselves there. There he says, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Stay away from whatever is tempting you. Don't go close to it. Then uh, he goes on, and there's a whole bunch more there. I'm going to jump down to verses 22 and 23 of chapter 5. He said, in 22, he says, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. The man who, who falls, he dies because he's not willing to set boundaries for himself in that area, to go a different way. Um, so as we think about that this year, um, think about, about turning from the past. All of us, all of, none of us are perfect. All of us have areas that we can apply these things, I think, in our lives. Um, the... So the first point to be like Paul was to be humble. Don't believe the lie that you've earned a break and can coast. Make decisions with whose you are up front and center. And three, forget the past. Repent and forsake past sin. My second point to be like Paul is to be hungry. So first was be humble. Second point is be hungry. Three ways to be hungry. One, press into faith and knowing Christ. Hold fast to God's promises and keep them in front of you. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and virtue, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So, in God's divine power, he has granted us all that we need for life and godliness. He does that through the knowledge of Jesus. And through that knowledge, he has granted us his precious promises, so that through those promises, we can become partakers in the divine nature. So keeping those promises in front of us and, and, and holding on to them um, allows us to escape the corruption of our flesh, the corruption of, of sinful desires. That takes faith. But press into faith and into Christ. Hold fast to the promises and keep them in front of you.
that thing that you're struggling with, that you've been struggling with, what does God's promises have to say with, about it? The thing that you're maybe, God, you know God wants you to do, maybe that person that you're supposed to talk to or, or whatever it is, what do God's promises say about that situation? Find those promises. Hold to them. Another way to press into faith in knowing Christ is to seek heavenly wisdom and understanding. We know that the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of, of this world and of the flesh. And the wisdom that is from above is imparted to us by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16 talks about that. And for sake of time, I'm not going into that. But, but mind the Spirit and be careful not to quench the Spirit. Um, that heavenly wisdom is imparted uh, and taught by the Spirit. And we're supposed to, uh, to teach one another out of, out of that Spirit and to learn from that Spirit. My, the third, my third point under pressing and knowing into Christ is to test God. And not in a presumptuous way, um, but Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing till there is no more need. So in thinking about being hungry and pressing into faith and into Christ, those promises that God has given us, try them. If God, is, if God has promised to be with us and you know well, the, thing, the, thing, the reason that's keeping you from going and doing this is that, is that you feel, feel alone, try it. Claim that promise and go do it. Test God and see. He invites us to do that. His commandments, his command to tithe, here he, he says, try it. Try it and see. See what happens. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour down on you a blessing till there's no more need. My second point in being hungry, the second way to be hungry, is to be goal-oriented and kingdom-focused. So, Paul here had a goal in mind. He had something he was focused on, and it was the kingdom of God. Um, for ourselves, it's easy to maybe break things into divisions. You know, this is my, this here has to do with the kingdom of God, and this here is my work, or whatever it is. But it's all a part of the kingdom of God, and we need to recognize that and keep that in front of us. Um, in, in being goal-oriented and kingdom-focused, I think it's important to recognize that God's priority for us God's number one goal for us is the development of our character and us being made into his likeness and his image. As we're making goals, let's not, let's not forget that. <laughs> that. That God's goal for us is for us to be made into his likeness and image. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And he goes on and, and says that in that we need to abstain from immorality. Um, but he, God wants us to be made like him. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 says, Him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He's talking about Paul's goal for his ministry um, was the maturing of, uh, of the church. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the church and how God has put, given us different gifts so that we are equipped for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, it's talking about God's priority being our character being built up and changed and made into, into his likeness and image. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for, tr for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So complete could also be in translated perfect. Made into God's likeness, made into his image. My second point under being goal-oriented and kingdom-focused is seek heavenly riches and eternal dividends. Why should you gain the world and lose your soul? Do all that you do as unto Christ. There's nothing in intrinsically wrong with earthly riches, but the Bible says that those who seek them fall into temptation and into a snare. In, in all that we do, are we, are we seeking the kingdom of God? Um, in our business endeavors, is it about me or is it about God? We need to evaluate our motives and um, if, if they're wrong, confess them and, and ask for God to change our hearts, to move, to, to shape our hearts into his, that, that we can... Um, that we can be a blessing to those around us. That's my third point is, um, under that. The third way to be, be goal-oriented and kingdom-focused, recognize that we are stewards and must give an account. We are blessed to be a blessing. Um, the things that God has given us are not for us, or they are, they are for us. He wants what's good for us. But the best way that we can actually enjoy and appreciate those things is to be a blessing to those around us. First um, Corinthians chapter four, verses one and two says, this is how we should regard, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Behold, it is moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So um, in our, in our goals, as we're making goals, let's remember that we're stewards and we'll have to give an account for everything that, that we have. Um, the third way I have that to be hungry is to seek out others to walk with and to follow. Here, Paul, um, at, in verses 17 and... Um, yeah, verse 17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So be proactive about that. Um, 
Three points under that. Number one, a li- isolation is a sign of self-seeking. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So, seek out counsel and, and um, people to, to, to uh, walk the journey that God has called you to walk. Um, to walk with you in that. Number two, I have embraced the church family God has placed you in. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I read some of that earlier, but it, again, it talks about how God has given us gifts, different gifts, for the good of each other. So embrace that. Um, in that, we can find strength and um, as we as we um, allow ourselves, as we open ourselves up, um, and as we move into that, it's not it's not going to happen in and of itself. Um, it's going to take effort on our part. Making myself, I'm sorry, being accountable. The accountability that happens in church is not so much me coming up to Clifton and saying, Clifton, how are you doing? It's more Clifton coming and telling me how he's doing. Hey, brother, I'm struggling with this. It's, it's both. But we need to be willing to, to make ourselves vulnerable and to, um, to engage with each other. The third point in seeking out others to walk and follow is seek to give. In giving, you will grow. So Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And these blessings, I think, in Proverbs maybe is physical, but I believe it's beyond, beyond that. Um, look for opportunities to give in other ways. And in that giving, we will grow together. So in conclusion, it's a new chapter a fresh start, and that's exciting. How can we do well this year? What does faithfulness mean for to you? What is God calling to each of you, to, saying to each of you? Let's follow Paul's example. Let's be humble. Let's not believe the lie that we have earned a break and can coast. Let's make decisions with whose we are up front and center Let's forget the past, repent from, and forsake sin. Let's be hungry. Let's press into faith and knowing Christ. Let's be goal-oriented and kingdom-focused. And let's seek out others to walk with and to follow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. We thank you for your work in our lives. We have nothing in and of ourselves. You alone are good, Father. And as we look at this coming year, our desire is to be faithful. Our desire is to, um, to walk in faith, closer in relationship with you, experiencing more of you and showing more of you to the world around us. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with each of us. Help us to um, internalize your promises and to uh, leave behind sin and self and cling ever more closely to you. Help us to... Um, be open with each other and um, 
to be you to one another. We just thank you for, for your work in us and for your promise that you will never leave us or forsake us and for your promise that you will build your church. Lord, we look to you to do that this next year. We just want to, want to commit ourselves in this time to you. Thank you for, uh, for being here with us. We just um, ask for grace and strength to, to follow after you um, and to act on what you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.